The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Sheila Walsh describes the moment she received devastating news about her unborn son. My sister was more like into ribbons and lace and I was more into climbing trees. And so the thought we were having a boy was like, oh, this is so great. Well, three months into my pregnancy, our doctor called us in. She said, I'm, I'm so sorry to tell you this, but your son is not compatible with life. Hey, welcome to Live Today, I'm Sheila Wolf. I was up in Canada not so long ago and a young girl asked if she could talk to me at the end. And she said, I'm really confused. You know, I went to seminary because I really believed that God wanted me to be in full-time ministry. I thought I was gonna be a woman speaker. You know, I've been rehearsing and practicing and, and nothing has happened, no doors have been opened. And I'm wondering what I'm doing wrong. And I really, you know, I understood that. It can be frustrating if you feel that God has gifted you in a particular way or, or you have a, a special calling, but it seems like the doors just keep slamming. And you, you think, well, Lord, I know you spoke to me about this. I know you showed me this. I don't think there's any story in scripture that illustrates that more clearly than the story of Joseph. Remember Joseph, he's a young boy. You can read about him starting in Genesis chapter 37. He's 17 years old. He's the youngest of the children, and he knows without a doubt that he has a calling on his life. But unfortunately, at that point, he doesn't really have the character to sustain the calling. You know, he goes ahead, you might remember, and tells his brothers, you know, I had this dream that I saw, you know, you're all like stocks and you all bend down and bow to me and I stand there. And, and they're like, are you kidding? They just get more and more disgusted with this younger brother who isn't made to do any kind of manual work because he's his dad's favorite. And it just goes from bad to worse. And then one day the, the dad asks Joseph to take some food to the brothers and just see how they're doing. And it was a long way, it was about a hundred miles he had to go. And when they see him coming, they determine, you know what? We've had it with this guy. So they think what they're gonna do is, is kill their own brother and then um, just send word back to the dad that a wild animal may have got him. And the oldest brother, Reuben, he didn't want that to happen. And so they put the, the boy, you remember they threw Joseph into a well for a while to decide what they were going to do. And then they saw um, some traders going off to Egypt and they decided, well, you know, instead of killing him, we don't have to have his blood on our hands. We could just sell them to, um, to the traders and then we'll just go back and tell our dad, we don't know what happened, but something awful must have happened to him. Now, put yourself in Joseph's place. If you know without a shadow of a doubt that God has given you a special gift, that somehow you're gonna be ruling and doing amazing things, what happens to that vision when you find yourself at the bottom of a pit? You know the interesting thing? If you read it for yourself, it says, and God was with him. If you're like me, I tend to think, well, if God is with me, things like that are not gonna happen. Well, he gets to Egypt and he's sold as a slave. 
into the house of a man called Potiphar. Well, Joseph works really, really hard, and eventually he is promoted. He becomes head of the whole household. But he's in for another tremendous disappointment. Potiphar's wife decides that she wants to sleep with this young man, and he refuses to do it. And the reason he gives is so honorable. He says, how could I do that and dishonor your husband, my master, who has given me everything apart from you? And how could I dishonor my God? So he does the right thing and ends up in prison anyway. When you're in a place like that, you're tempted to think, God is not with me. Life is out of control. What Joseph didn't understand at that time, and one of the lessons I've been learning, God is far more interested in who we are becoming than what we are doing. All those years in the prison prepared Joseph to be the man of character that God knew he was going to be. Watch this. When God has a plan for your life, we think, well, if that could happen by Tuesday, and then by the next week, if this could happen, that would be great. We don't know that God is far more interested in who we are becoming than what we are doing. Joseph didn't know that while he was in prison, he was learning the language. You know, he couldn't survive in an Egyptian prison just speaking his own language. So over those years in prison, he learned the language. He served the jailer so much that the jailer put him in charge of all the other prisoners. See, when God is ready to say, now it happens in a moment. All those years of faithfully serving God. And the interesting thing, every time when it seems to be going wrong, like when he was thrown in the well, when he's thrown in jail, we read this, and the Lord was with him. See, we think, well, if the Lord was with me, surely this would not be happening. No, and the Lord was with him. And in that moment, when Pharaoh cannot interpret a dream, and one of his people say, hey, actually, I was in prison with a guy who's really good at that. In a moment, Joseph is brought out of prison and he's made prime minister of Egypt. <laughs> That's the way God is. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. See, here's what's beautiful about the, the work you see God having done in Joseph's life. What he told them when he was 17 just happened. I mean, they've come and they need food and they realize this is Joseph. So they are on their knees bowing. And Joseph could have said, I told you, remember, I told you you'd do that. No, he didn't do that. He said, you intended to harm me, but God. See, those two words, they change everything. You may have been betrayed by somebody, but God. You may have been abandoned by someone you love and you think it's out of control, but God. You may think right now, everything's wrong. Everything's out of control, but God. Let me remind you of some of our God's names. Elohim the strong creator God. Two words, El Roy, the God who sees me. You think God doesn't see what's going on right now? He doesn't take his eyes off you. 
you're struggling financially, you're struggling with your health, you're struggling with your children, you're struggling in your marriage, and you think nobody knows El Roy, the God who sees me. El Shaddai, God Almighty. Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. It's possible to know peace in the middle of a storm because of Jesus. You can be in the hardest days of your life and know the peace of Christ. Because Jesus said, remember in that last conversation with his closest friends, he said, the, he said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. See, for the peace that the world gives to work, somebody's got to change. You know, when there's peace talks that has to be compromised, somebody has to shift, the situation has to change, not with Jesus. You can be in the middle of a war and know the peace of Christ. Jehovah Shalom. Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. And then, greatest name, Adonai, Lord of all. Not just Lord of some things. He is Lord of all. And that's why when we read Psalm 4610, when we read that Psalm, be still and know that I am God, we can let go. Because no matter how things seem, God's in control. I want us to look at um, how do we rise above disappointment. We live in a world where, you know, disappointment is part of life. And I was reading um, the other day in Romans. I love the book of Romans. If you haven't read it recently, do yourself a favor and just make yourself a nice cup of tea and just settle in with the book of Romans. So much beautiful truth. But this is what Paul writes in Romans 5, verses 3 through 5. We can rejoice too when we run into problems. <laughs> That's not our natural human response. We don't necessarily go, a problem, yahoo! <laughs> but Paul is showing us that this is what it looks like when you actually believe that God is in control and that God is good and God is for you. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. Our hope in Christ is not wishful thinking. It's like I can start a new diet and say, I hope I stick to this. <laughs> this is not that kind of hope. The hope that we have in Christ is not wishful thinking. It's a hope that you can stake your life on. It will not disappoint. You know, some things in life are disappointing, but they're not huge. You know, like maybe you're, maybe you support a team and your team loses or they, they discontinue your favorite TV show. Or you've just found a shade of lipstick that works <laughs> and they stop making it. But other disappointments can be devastating and they leave us on the floor. 
I wasn't sure I'd ever be able to be pregnant because because I was older and Barry's seven years younger than me, which he likes to remind me of regularly. <laughs> <laughs> but he's so good with kids. And I said to Barry, if you want a big family, you might have to find somebody younger than me. And he said, no, no, we'll just we'll believe God for whatever God wants to put in our arms. And so when I became pregnant, when I was 39, I was just over the moon. And they told us it was going to be a little boy. And I was so happy about that because I'm not a very girly girl. I'm kind of, my sister is. My sister was more like into ribbons and lace and I was more into climbing trees. And so the thought of having a boy was like, oh, this is so great. Well, three months into my pregnancy, our doctor called us in. She wanted me to go through some tests for some things. And she used a phrase that I'd never heard before. She said, I'm, I'm so sorry to tell you this, but your son is not compatible with life. I was like, I'm sorry, I, I don't know what you mean. She said, there's something seriously wrong with your son and um, he's not gonna be able to survive outside the womb. And she said, my advice to you is that you terminate this pregnancy tomorrow. And I was like, absolutely not. And she said, then you're gonna have to come in regularly for fetal monitoring. We're gonna have to keep an eye on your boy and see how far along we can get you. And we drove home in silence and Barry went into the house, but I took the car. We were living in California at the time and I took the car down to the beach and I sat on a rock where I used to go every morning with my Bible and a cup of coffee. And I talked to this little one and I said to him, well, I don't know if you heard that, but I said, I want you to know I'm gonna fight for you. I'm gonna fight for every breath that God has ordained you to take. And I have to tell you, it was, it was hard. You know, when you think you've been given this amazing gift and then you think it's gonna be taken away. Um, but I had to keep going back to the word of God. See, I've stood on platforms for years before that and told people, I know you're walking through a tough season, but God is for you, he's with you. I know you don't understand this sickness, but I believe God is good and God is in control. And suddenly when I faced this, it was as if the Lord said, now Sheila, do you understand everything that you've been saying? Do you believe that I am good and that I am God? I'm not gonna tell you what's gonna happen when you don't know in the season of not knowing, will you trust me? I cannot tell you how many nights I would be on the floor and on my knees, tears rolling down my face, but saying, yes, Lord, I trust you. And we got as far along as 20 weeks, and then we got to 30 weeks. And when we got to 37 weeks, my doctor called me and she said, I need you to come back into the office. And, and I said, is there something else wrong? And she said, no, I just, and I said, listen, I'm not coming in. If you've something to tell me, just tell me it now. And she said, well, the day that your results came back from some tests, the results of another 40 year old patient came back and your results went into her chart and her results went into your chart. And there's never been anything wrong with your child. And even as I was about to just rejoice, suddenly realized there's another woman getting a very different phone call. 
And you know, I believe in the sovereignty of God. You can't be sovereign some of the time. God is sovereign all the time. And I've often wondered if the Lord allowed me to carry that woman's burden. And now when I look at our son, 21 years old, about to go into medical school, wants to be a doctor in countries where they can't afford doctors because he believes medicine and ministry should go hand in hand. And I think the enemy intended to take that boy's life before he was ever born. But just as we choose to fight, God has fought for us. God has fought for us. I love Psalm 34, verse 10 says this. Even strong young lions sometimes go hungry, but those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. Sometimes our understanding of what a good thing is, is different than what the Lord has for us. true, but it's hard sometimes, isn't it? Because we think we know what's best. Let me ask you, have you ever prayed a prayer and in retrospect, you're grateful that God didn't answer? Because sometimes we think that we, we know what's going on and we know what God should do. But when you learn to rest in God's timing and his sovereignty and his love and under his protective care, often then we look back and see, oh my gosh, Lord, I had no idea, but now I see your fingerprints all over it. That's one of the lessons. This is the, the book I wrote. It's okay not to be okay, moving forward one day at a time. And I'd love to get a copy to you. I'll tell you a little bit later how we can do that. But I just want to remind you that if God has put a dream in your heart, if God has deposited something, you know, it's the scripture that says that God gives us the desires of our heart. I think there's a two sides to that. I think initially he gives us that desire and then in his perfect timing, he unfolds that desire. So don't give up on your dream. If God has shown you something and you really believe, rest in his time, but do what Joseph did. Keep being who you are in the midst of it. By the time that Joseph was out of prison, his character matched his calling. So don't give up, don't lose hope, don't get discouraged. God is with you and in his timing, he will reveal the next step for you. One of my great privileges here at Life Today is to be able to, to be part of our mission feeding. Do you know this is our 30th anniversary, 30 years of helping now literally millions of children across Africa. What we've committed to every year is to feed 400,000 children. I've seen the before and I've seen the after. I've seen what it looks like when children have no food and I've seen what it looks like when one bowl of food makes a difference. Would you watch this? We're asking this lady here if she can talk about, she lost, I think she had three children, four children. Four children. What was the what, cause of what, that? Was it at sickness the, or was it at hunger? The, uh, oh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
I know when I've seen pictures like malnourished children, severely malnourished children before, I've thought, it's too late, there's nothing I can do. But what I discovered while I was here is that with the first bowl of food, you reverse the process. The minute nutrition begins to enter the body of a child, it's as if death turns the corner and life marches in. It's amazing what every single one of us can do. So you might look at these pictures and think, like I did, this is overwhelming. It's, it might seem that way, but that's just a lie of the enemy. This is fixable. We can do this. We can turn from death to life in a moment. Doesn't it seem obscene to you that children are dying from hunger in this day and age? It's so wrong. When you think of the, the irony that most of us are trying to lose weight, we spend so much money on fad diets and books, and just across the world, mothers are having to bury their children. It's heartbreaking. But for 30 years here at Life Today, we've made this determination, and it's because you've helped us. You know, we showed you the initial vision of, here's what we can do. And you absolutely stepped in and said, yeah, we will partner with you. James and Betty have told me so many stories of being able to see the difference in a village. And then I had the privilege myself. Walking into a malnutrition clinic is literally the most heartbreaking thing I've ever seen in my life. And to see the despair in a mother's eyes, I can't imagine what it's like to hear your children cry during the night simply because they are hungry. It shouldn't happen. But the good news is you and I are here we can do something about it. So here's what we're asking for. Our commitment to those children in Africa, to their parents, to the partners we work with, is that we commit that this year, we will continue to feed 400,000 children. And every little bit helps. Do you know that if you can commit today to $30, that will feed three children for three whole months. $50 will feed five children, $100 will feed 10. It's amazing that for any gift that you give, we have this amazing book by Peter Pretorius, Death Defying Faith. And trust me, this is the story of a man who was afraid of nothing. He lived under the fear of the Lord. And we'd love to send that to you. But if, if each one of us does something, we can change this. Some of you can give more. If you can give $1,000, do you know that you will feed 100 children for three whole months? It's a way of redeeming their lives because we serve the, the food at school so the children will come to school to get a bowl of food and then to learn, to break the cycle of poverty. I don't want these moms to have to bury one more child. If they live next door to you, you would help them in a moment but through the beauty of technology and television, we can bring them right into your home and we can be an answer to their prayers. So please, would you call the number on your screen? 
Would you do it today? I know sometimes we think, well, I'll get to that later, but the need is now and the need is desperate. You can go online, but please, would you give the very best gift you can? What a joy to think that we've reached our hands across the world, taken the hand of a mother and said, you're not alone. We're going to help you. Please, would you call now? In impoverished and drought-stricken areas of Africa, children are suffering. The need is great. And without food, they face severe malnutrition, even death. Through Life's Mission Feeding Outreach, you can save lives by feeding and caring for children currently suffering in parts of Angola, Mozambique, and South Sudan. With previous reserves gone and Mission Feeding helping in areas with severe crop failure, we urgently need your support to replenish food supplies to reach the 400,000 children who are counting on us. Your life-saving gift of $30, $50, or $100 will help feed and care for three, five, or 10 children for three full months. With your gift of any amount, we'll send you Death-Defying Faith, The Extraordinary Life of Miracle Man Peter Pretorius. This autobiography, completed just days before his unexpected death, chronicles the thrill-seeking adventures of missionary Peter Pretorius. You will love reading how God took this ordinary man and performed extraordinary miracles throughout all of Africa. With your gift of $100 or more, request the beautiful Faith and Hope pen set, two beautifully crafted pens featuring the key words of Hebrews 11.1, 1, a key verse for every believer, especially when facing adversity, trials, and challenges. Finally, with your gift of $1,000 or more to help feed and care for 100 children, be sure to request the Bridge of Faith framed canvas print by Thomas Kincaid. Please call, write, or make your gift online today. Can you hear them coughing? Can you hear that deep chest cough? Because the resistance is so low that the least little thing becomes a serious life or death issue for these children. And I don't know if you realize that every time um, that you pick up the phone and you call or every time you go online, these are the people whose lives that you're changing. And our prayer is that we can save this little one. But my prayer is that we can save hundreds of other children before they get to this stage. No child should ever get to this stage. No mom should ever have to watch this. So if we do something now, we can stop this from happening. Thank you so, so much. If the lines are busy, please call again. I told you that for any gift at all, we will send you my book, It's Okay Not To Be Okay. And I would love, I would love to send you this book, Peter Pretorius's story, Death Defying Faith. He had this passionate commitment to feed those who are hungry in Africa. So again, thank you so much. If you tried to get through and you couldn't get through before, just, just persist. Just determined that we're going to make a difference in the lives of these children. What I, I mean, it's such a privilege. And not only that, there are mothers today, literally on their knees in the dirt, praying that someone will be an answer to their prayer. We get the joy of making sure it's us. So for me, Sheila Walsh on Life Today, I'll see you next time.
Tomorrow, Miles McPherson challenges people to rise above the issues that divide us. I am more encouraged now that we're ready to be united. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.